today about the idea of death and resurrection. These are themes that we often center as a church around the Easter story, but we chose them, we set them aside, we put them for today because as we step out of what has been 2020 into 2021, what better thought for us than the one of resurrection, the one of new life, the one of the power of God that was demonstrated on the cross, the power of the Spirit to raise us back to life. And I don't know how you're feeling as you're stepping into 2021, but I think we're all carrying a sense of that lingering sort of sorrow of 2020 upon us. It could be like we're wearing those grave clothes from the year before. And as we begin this new year, my prayer for us as a church is, is that we're able to shed some of those grave clothes and stand before God, feeling that life again, that resurrection power. Scripture tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now in us. And maybe as we transition here into 2021 today, there's a need for that spirit of resurrection that spirit of power, that spirit of life to be in you again. Maybe there's a need for you to, to feel the closeness of God's presence with you right now, wherever you're watching this. Maybe as you begin this new year, you have new dreams and new hopes that are sitting on your heart and you're, you're wondering whether the Spirit of God could come and bring to life the things that you're carrying in you. Maybe you started this year with some resolutions saying, hey, I want to be different this year. I want to live differently, act differently, think differently, whatever it might be, but we're all holding something that we're hoping will bring new birth this year. And so I want to speak over you and your life in this moment. Wherever it is that you're watching this, whether it's here in Hong Kong or around the world, let me speak some life and some faith and some hope into you. That spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is here for you in this moment. The same spirit. Christ paid a huge price for us to know and experience the resurrection power of His presence in our lives. And whatever it is that you're carrying, whatever is there for you, I want to pray that the breath of God, Scripture speaks of it in the Hebrew, is the ruach, the, the breath, the wind of the Spirit of God would come on you right now. You and your marriage and your family and your workplace, wherever it is that you need the newness, the life of God upon you. That's my prayer. So, so whatever that is for you, hold that in your heart in this moment. Just think about where it is in your life that you need that new life to come. And I want to pray over us as a church as we do that. Father, we just are so grateful for this moment. So grateful that we are stepping into this new year, Lord. Yet we recognize just the challenges and the struggles and the hardships that 2020 brought to all of us. They are still so present in our thinking and in our spirit. They're present in our families, our marriages, and our workplaces. And so, Father, we step into this moment right now, the first Sunday of 2021. This moment where the Spirit of God is with us as we've been worshiping and singing songs of resurrection and victory. God, we come to you with those places of hurt, those places of struggle and trial, the grave clothes wrapped around us. And we come to you in need of that resurrection life in need of your spirit to come now and to break into the things that we're carrying, the things in our hearts, those hopes and the dreams that we have for the year ahead. And humbly, we bring them to you. We lay them at your cross, at your feet, at your throne. You're the lion and the lamb, 
the one who sacrifices himself for us, and yet the one who fights battles for us. And so, Lord, for anyone in the Vine community right now who needs the presence of the Lamb, who needs the tender care of a shepherd, would you come by your Spirit in this moment? And Lord, for any of us who need you as the lion right now, the fighter, the one who does battles, who pushes back the enemy, who declares victory, Lord, we pray that you would be there for them in this moment. Father, we're so grateful that we have a God who meets us and walks with us. So as the Vine Church, as this community of faith, we pray resurrection life over us. We are so excited, Holy Spirit, for all of the things that are ahead of us this year. We want you to open up our eyes to the possibilities of the kingdom and its growth. Lord, the river that you've called us into is right there. Lord, as we step more this year as a church community into the river of God, we do so excited, Lord, for what it is that you're about to do amongst us. Father, raise our spirits with you like your body was raised on the third day. And may we walk with you in glory this year, in victory with the lion and the lamb. And Father, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen. Amen. Well, church, I want to just start today in this Sunday of the new year, uh, just really personally uh, with you guys as a church. Uh, the last week has been incredibly hard for me. Uh, as I know, it's been hard for a number of us in the Vine community. Uh, last week on Christmas Day, I lost one of my closest friends to cancer. The, the pain of it is still pretty raw and still right there for me, as I know it is for many of us. You know, Josh was somebody that I had known for 25 years. Uh, I literally had grown up with him. Uh, we went to the same youth group together. Uh, we were musicians and we played music together. We were in bands at the same time. We wrote music. We released albums on the same record label. Uh, we toured and played endless amounts of shows together. And then when we started to work, we, we moved into this place of supporting each other in our careers together. And in our 20s, in our 30s, and into our 40s, we were one another's greatest and biggest cheerleaders. I, I was so deeply encouraged by the reality that I didn't just do life with Josh, but I also was able to be in that kind of place of deep relationship with him. I, I remember the many times that we laughed together, the many times that we cried together. Him and I mourned alongside of one another in some of the difficult moments of life in the last 20 years. We were there at each other's weddings. I had the great privilege of marrying Josh and Chelsea here at The Vine. We celebrated when Mia came into our lives, and I, I celebrated when Emery, their daughter, came into their lives in the last year. Uh, we took the time to sit down with each other when we were upset with one another. We spoke some hard words to each other over the years. We pulled each other up. I remember many times that Josh and I confessed our sin together. We prayed with one another. Uh, we were there to support each other in our, our marriages. We were there to walk alongside of each other in our mistakes. You know, in the whole time, Josh had this idea of everything that he wanted to do ahead of him. You know, even in the last few weeks, I, I spoke to him whilst he was in Mexico receiving treatment for his cancer. And uh, we spoke on the, on the phone and we talked about dreams. And uh, I asked him what he was longing for in the future. What were the things that were on his heart? And um, 
sorry. I asked him, what, what were the things on his heart? What were the things that he was looking forward to in life? And he told me about a new film that he was really excited for. He told me about um, uh, a book he was wanting to write. He told, told me about how he was longing to come back to Hong Kong and be here at the Vine and um, share a testimony of his heart for us as a church. And um, it really stings that he's not here anymore. And I know um, many of you are mourning as we step into 2021 for him. Josh loved the Vine. The Vine was his church for 20 years. He was a part of this community. It was the only church that he knew in his adult life. And uh, it was a place of uh, comfort for him. He sat through countless numbers of my sermons over the years. I kind of feel sorry for the guy. <laughs> so many sermons. And he sat there, and he was always the loudest amen for me. I mean, even in the days when I had off days, he would still be the loudest amen cheering me on. You know, um, he, uh, he told me recently that... Um, that he was grateful for his cancer. I know that sounds like a very strange thing to say, but Josh understood what it was that the cancer was doing in him. He understood the seriousness of it. He knew that it was bringing him to a place where uh, his life was under threat. He understood that. But Josh never had time for the idea of thinking about dying. Josh's whole life and his whole legacy he leaves is the idea of what it is to live to be full of life. Josh walked into the worst moments of his life in his last two years of his battle with cancer, and he did so with a huge amount of life on his heart. He was constantly telling me, challenging me, asking me about how I was growing in my life as I saw him grow so much in his life. He would look at himself and he would say, hey, cancer is a part of my reality, but it is not my identity. Josh never allowed himself to wallow in any place of self-pity. He never looked for the people around him to kind of pity him or walk with him. Josh always raised the bar of hope. He always raised the bar of positivity in conversations that he had with him. I, I know even in the last couple of months when he was in great pain, I still would leave a conversation with him feeling better about myself. And he had this idea that his greatest amount of growth and his greatest amount of change could actually happen in the hardest moments of his life. And like I said, I knew him for 25 years, and I can testify that his growth as a person in the last number of months before he passed away was some of the most tremendous I'd seen. He, he was always the most positive, the most kindest person I think I've ever met. But even in the last few months of his life, that just increased even more. And he would speak constantly to me of the ways in which he felt healed. In fact, it, to be honest with you, if Josh was standing with me right here in this moment, I think he would look in the camera and he would say that cancer healed him. Even though we know that cancer took his life, he would tell you that cancer healed him. Because for Josh, healing was so much more than just what happens to your physical body. Healing for him was about your emotions. It was about your psychology. It was about your relationships. It was about your spiritual life. And he would testify to you right now that through cancer and through all the struggle that he had in the last few months of his life and all the suffering that I saw that he went through, 
he felt like he was in the greatest place of his relationships, the greatest place of his marriage with Chelsea, the greatest place as a father to Emery, the greatest place of his relationships with his friends around him. He felt like he had grown and changed in his person more than ever. He had become more forgiving. He had been released of some of the stuff that he'd been carrying in his life. He had been able to put himself in a place where he was at peace with who he is in a way that I had never seen before. And then that was particularly true about his relationship with Jesus. You know, one of the things that I celebrate today as I stand before you with all the emotions that I'm carrying is where he was in his relationship with Jesus before he passed. I mean, he'd always had a strong relationship with God. That had been something that was so important to Josh all of his life. And I'd had the great privilege of journeying with him in his 20s and 30s and seeing that relationship grow. But in the last few months, that relationship went to a whole nother level. I would love his WhatsApps and his voice messages in the middle of the night, uh, particularly when he was in Mexico, he'd send them and I'd wake up in the morning and there they would be overnight. And he would tell me about how excited he was about Jesus. He would share something with me in like a little voicemail about what Jesus had said to him that day, about how he was growing in his relationship. I saw an intimacy with Josh and Jesus that I had never seen before in any other time in his life. It was in his greatest moments of trauma and heart hardship and suffering that Josh was propelled, was catalyzed into his greatest moments of his relationship with Jesus, where I think in that much suffering, I would have probably distanced myself from God. Josh became closer and more intimate to his Savior. He, he flourished in a place where things were really difficult. That didn't mean it was always easy for him. It didn't mean that things were, were really light and fluffy the whole time. I knew the depth of the pain and the hardship that he was going through. And yet he always chose life. He always chose to challenge himself and to grow. And where I may have backed away and been bitter, he pressed in and became more intimate to Jesus. And today, church, we're standing right here at the start of 2021. We're standing literally in a new season, in a new moment, in a new year. And I think we stand at a crossroads where we have now a decision to make. It's a decision that I think Josh's life brings us to. It's a decision that I think his legacy leaves behind for us and challenges us with. And the decision is this, that we would consciously allow our negative experience to spur positive change that we as a church and that we as individuals would allow the, the hardships, the hard times, the struggles to actually not bring us into the worst case scenario thinking, to not hold us back and to weigh us down, but actually to propel us into the greatest moments of our humanity, propel us into the greatest moments of our growth and make us more intimate with Jesus than we have ever been before. I think we have an opportunity right here at the start of the year to honor the legacy that Josh leaves behind by saying to ourselves, are we going to allow 2020 and all of the stuff that we've been through to move us into this year with some grave clothes around us? Or are we going to step into this year in new life and faith and hope, believing that 2021 could be our greatest moment of intimacy with the people in our lives and with the people of Jesus? Look, 2021 has been a hard year for all of us. Sorry, 2020 has been a hard year for all of us. It's been a difficult time. 
many of you watching this, you've lost people in the last year. You've lost loved ones, maybe to COVID or to, to other things, and you've not been able to travel to go and be with them at that time. There's been this global pandemic that has shut us all down and kind of locked us all away at times. There's been a, an economic disaster upon this world. Many of you have lost jobs, and there have been small businesses that have been closed throughout our city and I also want to say that here in Hong Kong, alongside of this pandemic and everything there, there's also been a shift and a change in the politics of our city. There's been a change in the things that have happened in our society that we're all still trying to walk through and work through, and that's still having an impact on each one of us. Every, every single one of us, we faced such a challenging year, and as we step now into 2021, We'd be forgiven for feeling a little bit timid, right? There's still quite a lot of uncertainty ahead for us. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with this virus. We don't know whether this vaccine's going to be perfect and suddenly set everything right. We don't know when we're going to be able to travel again. If you've lost your job, you're probably wondering, when am I going to find employment again? There's a lot of things that are still uncertain and unknown. And we'd be forgiven for stepping into this year with, with a bit of fear in us, with a bit of timidity, with a bit of wondering what's ahead, with, with not excitement, but actually a heaviness to us. We, we would be forgiven for feeling that way, but I want to stand before you right now and say, I think we've got another choice. I think that we could actually start this year and be inspired by someone like Josh, that we can start this year no matter what we have been through, no matter what we have, and I'm not downplaying what you have been through. I've been through a lot in the last year myself, but I'm going to make a commitment to start this year facing forwards, looking forward to the things that I believe God can do in me, because if His resurrection spirit is in me, then I believe that He can bring me out of my grave clothes into new life. And I wonder whether that's also what you might be feeling as you step now into this new year. You see, as we step into 2021, we can either do so with hope or with fear. We can do so in death or in life. And the decision, I believe, rests with us. I want to invite you into a new season of life today as we start this new series. A few months ago, a friend of mine sent me an article from a counseling magazine. And the article was all about this idea of something that I had never heard of. It was called post-traumatic growth. Now, we've all heard about post-traumatic stress. We all know what that is. That when we go through a trauma or a hard time, that the stress of that, the anxiety of that, the fear of that can impact us for the many years ahead. This article spoke about the other side of trauma. This was first discovered back in the 90s, but the research has grown and it's become more prominent in the last number of years. The idea that actually there's this other thing, this post-traumatic growth, that our traumas, that our hard times, the hardships that we face and that we go through could actually be a catalyst to the greatest moments of our growth and our change. The, the article actually describes post-traumatic growth like this, positive life experience that is the result of adversity or other challenges that gives rise to a higher level of functioning, a, a higher level of awareness in us. And here's the thing that I thought was amazing about this article. It said that in the people that they studied who had gone through some great trauma and yet had come out of it in a place of growth and change, 
The article said that the depth of that growth and change was of such a high level that there's no way it would have been possible unless they had gone through that trauma in the first place. In other words, the trauma was the catalyst to a level of growth they never would have experienced unless they would have faced that thing they had to go through. And I know, I don't know about you, but when I go through trauma or hard times, my, my tendency is to want to try to ignore it or avoid it or push it away. The research has said that actually the way we grow through trauma is not by pushing it or ignoring it or trying to avoid it, but actually staring it face to face by actually learning what it is to embrace it, to understand it. Doesn't mean you have to like it or welcome it, but uh, sit in the reality of that trauma in your life. And as you embrace the emotions of it, and don't try to fight them as you're real and honest with them, from there you can begin to look forward to the things that the trauma might produce and create in you. It is exactly this that I saw Josh do. He was able to face those hard things that were going on around him and not make those so much a part of his identity that they began to shape his thinking, but actually use those things to propel him into something that was even greater. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look over the next six weeks at what post-traumatic growth is all about. And in this series, I want to bring together both psychology, the way we think and act and our emotions in our humanity, and theology and the Spirit of God and the work of the divine amongst us. And my prayer over the next six weeks is that you'll be able to actually start 2021 with a change in the way that you think, a mindset shift that brings you into the place of actually your greatest moments of growth. In the article, it says that post-traumatic growth happens most in five prominent areas. And it's these five areas that we're going to be looking at over the coming weeks in this series. The first area is just this appreciation for life. The second area is the idea of our relationships with one another and how those grow and change. The third area is new possibilities of life, like what I want to do new now as I emerge out of this trauma that I've experienced. The fourth is this idea of personal strength. How have I grown? How have I become stronger through this time? And then finally, the idea, and I think this is really interesting because the article was from a secular publication, but it spoke about the fifth thing they saw in people, and that was the deepening of spiritual change, that there was a spiritual shift for people. And so what we're going to do in this series is we're going to take a look at those five things, but not through the eyes of what a journal article tells us, but through the eyes of what the Gospels show to us. We're going to go to the life of Jesus. And in each of the weeks, we're going to take a story of Jesus that speaks to one of these ideas of post-traumatic growth. Look, Jesus spent his whole time dealing with people in trauma, people that were either in trauma, going through it, or coming out of it. And Jesus met people right where they were at, whether they were demon-possessed, whether they were poor, whether they were under some affliction from disease, whether they were afraid or under the oppression of an empire or a community around them, whatever it might be, Jesus met people in the places of their struggle and their trial and their trauma. And in those places, he brought them life. He helped them to understand the way to see the world differently. The kingdom of God came alive to them. And my prayer as we go through these different stories over the coming weeks, you'll also begin to shift your thinking and your prayers and your expectations for everything that's ahead of you in 2021. I believe that as you see Jesus turn trauma into change, 
into transformation, you're going to be inspired to ask him to come and do the same for you. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things that we want to make sure we're emphasizing in 2021 here at The Vine is not just what happens here on church everywhere on Sundays. As much as we love to gather like this and we'll continue to do that, we realize that discipleship happens in many other formats than just this one that I'm doing right now in preaching to you. And so for this series, we want this idea of post-traumatic growth to go wider for you and to be in a, a variety of ways that you can think about it and absorb it in your own discipleship. So as well as just the sermon series on a Sunday, there are other three other particular ways we want you to get a hold of this idea and perhaps to grow in this area for you. The first, as we've talked about already and Pastor Ellison shared at the beginning of our services, is the 21-day devotional series that's coming up uh, just starting on uh, Monday the 11th of January. The actual devotional series begins on the 10th because I'm going to put out an intro to the series on that day and then for 21 days from the Monday, we're having a devotion from somebody in the Vine community who has actually experienced trauma in their lives, gone through something really hard and really difficult, and has grown out of that. And those devotionals are a daily testimony to the power of a God to change us and to grow us in the midst of the worst moments of life. And there are stories about people who have lost loved ones, stories of people who have lost their work, stories of people that have had to leave Hong Kong, stories that really are, are challenging and deep, but actually bring great inspiration as they have met and discovered Christ in them. So I pray that those devotionals will be a great way for you to deepen your personal discipleship in this idea of post-traumatic growth. Alongside of that, we're going to be running a couple of courses in February so that you can take the teaching of this series to a much deeper level. The first course is called Transforming Trauma, and that's going to start on February uh, the 6th. That's a Saturday, and it's going to be run by our uh, Chinese community here at The Vine. It's going to be available for absolutely everybody, and it's going to be a four-week course that takes you through how it is that you can practically transform trauma in your life. It's going to look at the emotions of trauma, the processing of trauma, as well as the ability to then walk beyond it into something new. So that's Transforming Trauma. Now, after that, starting on Saturday the 20th of February, we're going to have Healing Trauma. And Healing Trauma is another course designed to actually practically pray with you and walk with you spiritually in the healing of your own traumatic experiences. And so where transforming trauma will bring a thinking and a reflection and a biblical study around trauma, healing trauma is going to be more practical, hands-on prayer and ministry for you as you come out of a place of trauma in your life. And we're so excited that we can provide both that theory and that study and the biblical basis, but also come around you, lay hands and pray for you and see you delivered into the best year that you can. And the third thing is, is that I've just recently put out a personal podcast called A Broken Hallelujah. And A Broken Hallelujah is all based around this idea of post-traumatic growth. And in the podcast, what I do uh, twice a month is I interview somebody from around the world who's gone through some crazy hard experience and yet has met God, who has wrestled with God and walked away with a bit of a limp. And we look at those stories. And the reason why I'm mentioning this to you guys today is that the very first episode is actually a conversation I had just a few weeks ago with Josh. And in that conversation, Josh talks 
all about the ways in which he has grown through his cancer journey. It's a beautiful conversation. Uh, it's incredibly challenging uh, and yet so hopeful. And I want to really encourage you. Uh, I, I, I can't stand here and tell you about his, his growth. I want you to hear him tell, tell you about his growth. I want him to tell his story. Um, so that's the first episode of the podcast. Uh, you can go to Spotify uh, or you can go to Apple Podcasts. Just type in a broken hallelujah. Uh, you'll find it and you can hear Josh tell you his story of growth through trauma. And our prayer is that through all of those things, uh, you'll be able to be deeply discipled in this change for you as you step into the new year. Now, I know that as we do begin this new year, we're all carrying stuff with us from 2020. We've already talked about this. We felt it in our worship time. I want to lay a foundation to growing out of trauma today by focusing a little bit on the things that we might be carrying into this new year. I want you to take a moment just to think about what it is that you are carrying. And let me be honest with you about a few of the things that I feel I'm carrying in my spirit as I'm stepping into this new year. I think I'm carrying anger, grief, and hurt. I, I'm angry at what happened with Josh, and I, I stand in solidarity and anger uh, on behalf of Chelsea and Emery uh, as they face their future of uncertainty at this time, and, and, and that really upsets me. I'm carrying this latent sense of anger at God for all that's taken place and for the loss that I'm feeling. I'm also sensing grief. Of course, grief for Josh and that, but also actually, and I want to say this, I'm, I'm carrying a sense of grief for our city, for Hong Kong. And I don't know about you, but the changes that I've seen in the last six months um, have been very difficult to see. And, and I'm walking into a place where I'm grieving something for our city. I'm grieving something for the people of Hong Kong. And, and that's something that I feel very much on my spirit as I step into the new year. The other thing I'm feeling is hurt. Uh, last year, 2020, was, was probably the hardest year of leadership for me. It's not easy to lead a church community in a time of crisis. It is exciting because you get to see God act and move in crisis in beautiful ways. The church always grows the best in a place of struggle or trial or suffering. And we definitely saw that in 2020. But on a personal level, it was quite difficult. I, I had uh, a number of times in the year where I made decisions for us as a church where I came under strong personal criticism. And I have to be honest, that hurt. Uh, and I've had to process some of that, and I'm still processing it, and I feel that hurt on me a little bit as I still step now into 21. I I'm sure you're carrying some things on you. And because I'm carrying these things, I know the theory of post-traumatic growth, but the idea of getting there, the idea of shifting towards it, still feels a little bit scary for me. I'm still a little bit skeptical, if I'm honest, if I could really grow through the hard times that I've faced. And maybe that's also how you're feeling in this moment as well. Well, if so, I want to talk to you just for a few moments about wounds and scars. Wounds and scars are interesting. Um, they're actually very different, although they come together in a similar way. <laughs> Let me explain. Wounds and scars are formed out of a place of trauma, out of a place of suffering. Wounds and scars are things that we all experience, and they're physical, and we've had some sort of suffering that is a physical thing, but they can also be emotional or psychological or even spiritual. But they are also distinctly different. Let me explain this. Wounds are what happens to us in the moment of suffering. 
Wounds are what take place when we are afflicted by something. And they hurt. There's pain there. They are open wounds before us. And our wounds stay with us during a healing process. The wounds begin to take time to go from that place of openness and hurt and pain to a place of healing. And in that process, the wounds still hurt. When we carry wounds with us, we, we are carrying with us that sense of, of that anxiety and that vulnerability. Our wounds, because they're open and they're bleeding and there's pain there, we want to cover them and they create this vulnerability in us. Scars are very different. Scars are wounds that have healed. Scars, if you will, are the things that remain after the healing process has been completed from a wound. Scars are the very things that actually say to us that the wound did not survive, that the wound was not the thing that had the victory. The scar is the proof, even though sometimes they're quite ugly, they're the beautiful proof that the wound did not win. Our scars are the things that we carry with us that tell two sides to a story. You see, wounds only tell one story. They tell the story of pain. But scars tell two stories. The scar on you shows you that there was a moment of wound, a moment of pain, a moment of suffering. But the scar also tells the more powerful story of your healing. See, I think in the story of life, our scars make healing more central than the hurting. And the Bible is full of stories about scars. And perhaps the most famous of those is the story of Thomas and the story of Jesus in his resurrection coming to Thomas in that room and Thomas reaching forward and touching the scars of Jesus and we've come to call Thomas the doubting Thomas. And I, and I think we so misunderstand this person. And I, I want to just take a few moments in the little bit of time that I've got remaining to open up this passage of Scripture to us. Because I think in here we see something in Thomas that's going to inspire you as you start your journey of post-traumatic growth. And let me read this to us from John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So with the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, hey, unless I see the nail, see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, hey, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. I love this story of, of Thomas. I think it opens up for us so much of where we might be here at the beginning of 2021. You know, it's interesting that we call him the doubting Thomas. Jesus does say to him, stop doubting and believing. But it's important to put this in context because all of the disciples were doubting before they first met Jesus. It's not that Thomas was this special doubter who really struggled to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. All of the disciples had that issue before they actually met the resurrected Christ. In fact, in the Gospel of John, John makes it an actual uh, purpose in his narrative to explain the reality that all of the disciples were confused. There's even Mary right there in the garden tomb where Jesus has literally just been resurrected and she thinks Jesus is 
the gardener, and it's not until Jesus speaks that she recognizes him. And there are all the disciples in the room, and Jesus comes and comes before them, and they have no idea who he is. They're skeptical about his presence, and Jesus volunteers to the disciples. He says, here, see the scars in my hands. See the scars and the wounds on my side. See this and know that I am now with you. And Thomas wasn't there in that moment. He was somewhere else. And so when the disciples begin to tell Thomas, hey, we've seen the risen Jesus, here's Thomas's response. He says, I won't believe that the person that you think is Jesus is actually my Messiah unless I have proof of the suffering that he went through. See, this is profound, guys, because where we've called him doubting Thomas, I think actually he's grieving Thomas. I think Thomas is actually the only disciple who who understands that the identity of the Messiah, even in his resurrection, is rooted in an incredible experience of suffering that this one had been through. Where, Where the others remained skeptical and Jesus had to volunteer his scars, Thomas is the only one who wants to look for them. He, he wants to actually see that Jesus is this one. Because for, Jesus, for him, for Jesus, is the one who's actually walking with a whole story of suffering that moves into transformation. For Thomas, for him to understand who the Messiah is, it is not to divorce him from the cross. It is not to suddenly look at Jesus as some triumphalistic kind of glory person who floats above the ground. For Thomas, no, his Messiah, his resurrected Jesus is going to be the one that's going to bear the scars of the pain and the suffering and the trauma and the grief of what he went through. Thomas saw the suffering of Christ and he wanted to touch the scars to know that this one was the one who had gone through the worst moment of life and yet now was transformed. You see, for Thomas, the scars were actually revealing the depth of the suffering being turned into transformation. The way that he wanted to understand the glory of the resurrection was never divorced from the pain of the cross. Thomas saw redemption not as the erasure of pain, the ending of pain. No, for Thomas, for him, redemption was about the ability to live beyond the pain and the suffering. And yet in that, carry with you the scars of that journey as a story to be told. And Thomas has the boldness, the courage to reach out and say to this person, I won't believe that you're him unless you can show me that you have been transformed through the suffering that you've experienced. I think that's a profound reflection on the person of Thomas. And think about this from Jesus' perspective. You see, I don't know about you, but for me, with my scars, and I've got a few, I like to hide them from people. Because our scars, don't they become places of shame or embarrassment? I've got actually a a big scar on my back from a a botched surgery that I had in my 20s. And I'm still a little bit embarrassed by it. It's a big kind of ugly kind of scar on my back. And so I'm kind of glad it's behind me that I I never get to see it. And even if I'm at a swimming pool or something and I've got my shirt off and I'm a little bit conscious and aware of this big scar there, Jesus shows up to his disciples bearing the scars of an incredible trauma and he volunteers voluntarily shows it to them. 
There was no shame for Jesus in the suffering that he had been through. There was no shame for the fact that he had had wounds at one point in his life. But those wounds had taken sin and brought it to the grave. And he stands before them and he says, touch this, touch this, intimately come to me. Because these scars are proof that the wounding did not win. These scars are proof that resurrection life has happened, that sin has been put to death forever and now life is available for you. Come and touch the scars. And I believe, church, that this is the call on us as we start this new year. I believe that Jesus leans forward to you no matter what you've come out of in 2020 and he shows you his scars again and he welcomes you. He says, come and touch the place of my hand. Touch and see the place on my side. Come and see where the wounds have been turned into victory and transformation and life because if it happens to me, the same spirit that did this in me is now in you. That he can come and bring that change and that transformation to you. That's what this is all about. And perhaps like you, I'm carrying both wounds and scars as I step into 2021. I have scars from last year where there were really hard times, but I overcame them. The Spirit of God helped me and healed me, and I'm victorious over them. And I stand in 2021 stronger because I bear some scars from last year. And I'm proud of that, and I'm grateful for the work of Christ in my life. But I also carry wounds in me right here and right now. Places where I'm still looking for the healing to be complete. Places where I'm still desiring for Christ to come and close the wound and create a scar. And the other scars that I hold are proof to me. They preach to me. They speak over me that the wounds that I'm still carrying will not have the victory that he can come. And by the blood that he pours out on the cross, he can cover up the wounds that I still carry and bring them into a place of healed life. That's the growth that I believe God has for us as a church. I think that's the testimony and the legacy that Josh leaves us as a church. It's what we're now invited into. See, the cross of Jesus, on the cross, God places God's woundedness before yours. And in that, he invites you to heal. That's the new year for us. An invitation to see the woundedness of Jesus on the cross and the scars that he carries in his resurrection and look at all the woundedness that we carry and pray that God would create scars on us. And that in that, we might be able to celebrate a newness of life. Let me close by sharing some words from Josh that Josh wrote in a devotional that he produced uh, and that is a part of our 21-day devotional that's coming up. And I want to read these words to you uh, as an encouragement to you from him. He says this, I have come to believe that God's plan and purpose are not as we might prefer to steer us away from the burdens and brokenness. Rather, each step we take with him takes us through valleys and hardships in baby steps that build our faith and our resilience. 
His power with our perseverance keeps us growing and continuing to be shaped into the incredible sons and daughters He's always planned for us to be. It is through suffering that we are made perfect in Him. Think about that for a sec. It is through suffering that we are made perfect in Him. We have all experienced some suffering in 2020. As we now step into 2021, may we now experience a release of the Spirit of God upon us that takes those wounds that we're carrying with us and brings them into a place of a scar. May we know that we have a Christ who comes forward to us with His hands that still bear the marks of all the pain He endured. And He says, my pain for your healing, my death for your life, my cross for your carrying of it into newness of life. That's my prayer for us as a church as we step into this new year, post-traumatic growth. May it be with us, upon us, and through us in the name of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, we are just so grateful that here we stand as a church together today. And each one of us bears a story. Each one of us carries something upon us. And we do so in this moment of gravity as the beginning of the year. We recognize we have some grave clothes that linger. We recognize we have some wounds that still need to be healed. But Lord, we don't start this year thinking about the worst case scenarios. Father, we don't start this year tempted to hold ourselves back with a bit of timidity or uncertainty. No, no Lord, we choose faith over uncertainty. We choose the reliance on the power of the Spirit of God over the brokenness that we so often feel. Lord, we know that through the life of Josh, we are inspired ourselves to find new life even in the hardest of moments. It's there that we come to you today. And through this series over the next six weeks, we pray that, Lord, you will bring new life and new fellowship and new growth and new transformation for all of us here at the Vine Church, for all of us in this community. I pray over every family, every marriage, over every relationship. I pray over every business, those that are searching for employment, those that are in a difficult moment over poverty, Lord. We stand in the places where each of our church are traveling right now. And we pray, Lord, that you would turn our wounds into scars. We pray, Lord, that you would walk us through it, Lord, that your presence would be with us, manifesting your glory and your power in ways that we have never encountered before. Lord, we choose to grow. We choose to change not in the power of positive thinking, but in the overwhelming majesty of your Spirit upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fall afresh on us. And may you bring us into the sons and daughters, as Josh wrote, that you had always planned us to be. And may it be for your glory. In Jesus' name.